Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Greetings, Otterites. Welcome to episode 149. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, by way of a little explanation here, Otterites, you may hear Francis uh, cough occasionally. Uh, I know that's a touch unprofessional, but unavoidable. Uh, he was trapped in a Tijuana prison for a couple of weeks, and Robert and I had to... We road tripped. Road tripped. Got and, his uh, butt out of that jail. Yeah, got you know, that. Swilling yeah. bourbon the whole way. That's right. Pulled the bars right off with the back of the truck, you know, just yeah. like in the movies. That's right. So he's uh, he's had a wee bout, yes, as uh, Mr. Scott would put it, uh, but he's he's returning to the pink. But yeah. uh, there will be an, an, the occasional cough, and please forgive us. Yeah. Yes, pneumonia has a tendency to hang around a little bit. Yeah, yep, yep. Lungs but we're still healthy. young and virile. Just let us lay that right out, all three of us. Yes. Make sure we're you know we ain't old. No, no. But you'll always be the oldest. Well, yes, that's true. Yeah. Yes. And the wisest, the strongest, the handsomest. Come on, we can keep going. Uh, but we won't. But we won't. But we stop the baldest. <laughs> Not really. I mean, we all have our hair, mostly. I mean, uh, uh, compared to me, you guys well, are Well, you guys that's are correct. You, you are the yeah. most follically uh, endowed. Shall I use that word? I don't like using that word, but I will, I guess. Well, we can just drop the follically part since you don't like that word. Uh, yes, I knew this was coming. <laughs> he sets them up. He hits them all out. That's the why I'm the hammer. That's right. So, what are we doing this week? Yes, uh... The Templars. This the episode Knights is Templar. the Templars. Right. Thank you, Robert. I, I uh, meant to, to do that. So, as a follow-on, our last history episode, uh, Otterites, was uh, on the Crusades. And, of course, you can't really discuss, especially the Crusades in the Holy Land, without an exploration of the famous Knights Templars, or yes. the, the Knights of Solomon's Temple. Yes, know. various names. So, uh, depending on how you want to look yeah, at it. Yeah, the common term that is, that is known is, is the, the template. Yes. And and it's a fascinating history, and we're going to dig into that. And it's nothing like the the, the modern portrayals. <laughs> it really is not. I mean, it, there's <laughs> some truth to some of that, but it's not. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the History Channel series Nightfall, two seasons, was excellent. It was fun, but it was really not. It was, well, I don't want to say it was, it was accurate in a few places. But it was not accurate, and so much so much was fictionalized. Right, right. And we'll talk well, about that. That's and you know that's a danger of a lot, of a lot of what the History Channel and similar uh, channels. They are not the straight academic approach that you would expect. Not at all. Something called the History it's Channel. It's for entertainment. Of yeah, course. it is all entertainment. Yeah. Uh, before we get started with that, though, we've got some a uh, couple of items yes. of business to take care of. Yes, thank you, Robert. I appreciate that, man. Um, Here to help. So, Otterites. Uh, since we gathered last, we had some ups and some downs. Yep. Um, if you've been following us and keeping up with uh, snakesandhonors.com, you'll see our posts. Um, just as we were posting about the awesome dinner parties, who we would invite, came the news that uh, my number one hero, and certainly a person who influences this endeavor, Strongly, Greatly. yes. Uh, P.J. O'Rourke uh, died at age seventy-four. Um, I believe, likely of lung cancer. Yeah, he, I think that's what he, he had smoked, and um, uh, so very sad, very yeah. sad day. Uh, we yeah. did we we did attempt to get him on the show, but 
by the time we initiated, I mean, we probably had little chance to get him on the show anyway. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's no tell what his appearance fee would have been. Exactly. You know, I don't think we can afford that much bourbon. Um, But uh, he most likely was ill. Right. uh, By the time we had approached him, and and just it, it just wasn't kind of out there. You know, uh, his publisher had really kind of kept it private. Um, So. Condolences to his family, his wife Tina, um, his three children. Who, uh, for him being seventy-four, his children were—they're the uh, same age as some of our children. Right. Yeah, they're, they're just younger. Yeah. They're born Talk in about the nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, he he married late, uh, had three children, two daughters and a son. Uh, he calls them Moppet. Uh, oh, I can't remember what he would call them in the books. Uh, Anyway, he had pet names for them in the books. Um, so, uh, just condolences to his family, and um, and we've lost a great one. Yeah, and, that's and, right. A, a towering intellect. Yes, yes. very much so. Yes. And I would hope that they know how much he meant to his readers, to his audience. Oh yes, I think that's not just to people that maybe they came across with him. People like Cato. Uh, foundation or institute or whatever it's called or Heritage Foundation uh, and people that he interacted with but just regular regular readers out in the world his work gives me the bravery to do this right right yeah he he definitely was a great he's always a great great wit great intellect he will definitely be missed just nobody else like him no um the days of gonzo journalism are pretty much gone with, with PJ's exit from right. the scene. Indeed. But he beat his estimated uh, checkout date by two years. Yeah, so, you know, that's not bad. Not bad. <clears throat> so, on the upside, though. Yes. Yes, this was so exciting. Oh, so my exciting. gosh. This took place when I was in the Tijuana jail, mind you. Yes, yes. We, we did delay our, our rescue so that we could go to the game. <laughs> So, uh, Otter Rights, as you have, if you've listened, you know all three of us are graduates of, at the time, Bellarmine College, now known as Bellarmine University, who... Swords up. Go Knights. Swords up. Uh, a couple of years ago, decided to move up from uh, Division... Two. Division Two college athletics to Division One college athletics. Which is no small jump. Especially for a very small school. Yes. Uh, there are other small schools in Division One that's similar size. Again, private schools of, of that size. Yep. Uh, about 3,000, a little under 3,000 undergrads with graduate students a little over three, I think. Um, but they, they jumped up, and according to NCAA antiquated bureaucracy rules, and of course, once you have a rule and you're a bureaucracy, you can't break you can't it. change it. Although they have made exceptions. Well, they refuse to for Bellarmine, but because of their reclassification, you have to wait four years before you can participate in the championship tournaments. Right, which is ludicrous when you jump up. Nobody jumps up because it's going to be easier. Yes. I mean, I get that, right, if you jump, if you're going moving down, you want to reclassify down because you stink at Division One. sure, you should have to wait. I mean, but four years is a little much anyways, but they, yes. Uh, they jumped uh, into <clears throat> the Atlantic Sun Conference. Yes. Uh, had some success last year. This year, even more success, they... Uh, yes, last year, though, let's, let's really remember this. Yes. Last year, everybody, all the experts, 
predicted them to finish dead last in their conference. They came in second in their division of the conference and then went deep into the tournament last year. Yes, they did. They did. Yes. Yes. So this is the Atlantic Sun uh, is the same conference as Liberty University yes. in Lynchville, Virginia. Eastern um, Kentucky. Yeah, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, a couple of other small schools. Jacksonville, in, Florida. Jacksonville, North, Alabama. Yeah, Jacksonville. North Alabama. Yes. Yes. There. So uh, Jacksonville Lipscomb. State. Yeah, uh, famous think, university Lipscomb. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Austin P University is going to join soon. Oh, so we'll get to say let or we get to hear everybody yell "Let's go P." Yeah, because they're famous. They're famous uh, cheer. Yeah, toilet humor is always funny. Yes. Right? But anyways, so so amazingly, they won their first game of the tournament. Had to go on the road to Liberty. To Liberty upset Liberty. Yes, on it, the road. On the road. Who was going for a four-peat. They were looking for their fourth straight conference championship. And bid to the big time. Yes. So that meant, that set up that Bellarmine was the home team for the A-Sun championship game, hosting the Jacksonville State <coughs> Dolphins. Yes, the Dolphins. And they <clears throat> won. They beat the Dolphins. And In a thrilling game. It was an amazing game. Um the Jacksonville State Dolphins are, are a more physical team, taller team. Um, yeah, there's but, not as huge a difference between them and some of the other teams that Bellarmine has played this year, but Jacksonville plays them pretty good. Uh, yeah, and a little no, bit, yeah, a little bit more size, a little bit more beef in the middle. Yes, um, but Bellarmine uh, shot the lights out essentially. Oh my gosh! Crazy C.J. Fleming off balance, weird shot, all net. Yeah, and all night it wasn't. Even, <laughs> it wasn't just one. Uh, and Dylan Penn played some amazing in the paint basketball. Even hit a three. Dylan is not known for his three point shot. That was a, I mean, he opened the game kind of with the. He was the first three they hit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and they started off. It looked a little worrisome because you know the first couple of minutes, you know, it was four nothing. But there's some back and forth. They were a little cold for the first couple of possessions, and all of a sudden they hit three straight three pointers. It's nine four. And they never looked back. They, they never, never back. lost the lead. Yeah, never looked back from that point. Yeah, uh, and like I said, just played some some really fun, sound basketball yes. and moved fundamentals. The ball, the ball movement. Uh, so congratulations to the Knights and Scotty Davenport. We were thrilled at the game. It was so much fun. And as I posted, um, the great thing about a basketball game in this town uh, or in the whole state, people that go to games know the game. Yes. They know the game. And let me tell you something. I walked in, lucked out, and got the seat next to Robert. The first thing Robert says was, I hope you brought your blood pressure medicine because these refs are awful. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) I think I've mentioned before, I certainly have mentioned on the the blog, uh, second daughter and I are season ticket holders for the Knights. So we've been to... uh, all but she went to all but one. It was a game that got rescheduled because of weather for an afternoon instead of an evening. Neither one of us could get get off work. I missed another one because I was sick, and then we also went to the last game of the season at EKU, so it kind of made up for that one, uh, which unfortunately they lost. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> so we're season ticket holders. We've been to all these games and fantastic. So we've gotten to know a lot of the refing crews, and the particular crew that they had. For this tournament championship game is the worst crew that we have oh. seen. They are consistently the worst. Preacher they miss <laughs> so many calls. 
So many bad calls against Bellerman. It goes a, a bit both ways. Obviously, we're going to pick pick up more on the Bellerman ones. I try and recognize where they miss them on both. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, they are so egregiously bad. I mean, it's like they have money on the other team. Yeah, Robert joked that they must have money on the other team, and I just responded, "Well, no, maybe they're just Protestants." Yeah, so that was actually a better better joke than mine. Yeah, <laughs> nice one, Antonio. Liked it, liked it. Yeah. But so I, you know, I thought the worst call was the five point swing. Oh my gosh, that was bad. I mean, it, a foul under the basket that didn't exist, and they let the three point shot that happened after the foul on the perimeter stand. So the three counted, and Jacksonville State got the ball back and sank that basket for five points. Yep. Like, oh. That uh, almost was a total game changer. Yeah. I mean, but luckily, Belmer was way ahead at that point, so it wasn't. Uh, it, it cut the lead, but it did down to about four or five. I think. Yeah, it, it got but it they, down there. Yeah, yeah. But they they persevered, and again, Dylan Penn uh, played on the interior most of the game, and it just he can drive, drive, to drive the and just got shots to fall over bigger competition it was amazing. Uh, and like I said, the crowd was just so into it. Just a great, great 6,000-some people, 6,200 people. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, you got to remember, when they were playing at Knights Hall, which is on Bellarmine's campus, that's like 2,500 seats. Yeah. So they had two and a half times the number of people that they could have had in yeah. prior years. It was great. The community really came out for them. And <clears throat> if you follow sports journalism and sports broadcasting, the oddity... The twenty-five that hadn't happened in twenty-five year thing of a team reclassifying and winning a conference tournament, which should have put them in the NCAA tournament, uh, made the news for the whole week. I mean, right? They got a put, huge amount of press. Yeah, tremendous press, tremendous name recognition out there. Now everybody's going to know. Oh, Bellerman, that's the team the NCAA screwed. Yep. So, well, well awesome. put, sir. Awesome, yeah. and you know. Four of the five starters graduate this year, unless one of them, one or two of them, are going to come back as a grad student, like CJ did. CJ Fleming. Yes. Uh, second daughter had a class with CJ when uh, she was uh, a senior uh, or a junior. I forget which. But anyways, uh, well, the NCAA has granted like blanket another year of eligibility because of COVID. So right. I know some kids are hanging around longer than they normally would have. Right. Uh, so at every school, but. With four of them, because four of them were seniors, one of them was a freshman, which I did not realize because he's a big kid. But this, all this press comes at the best time because it's going to up their ability to recruit yeah. and get transfers. Exactly. And you know, if you if you've ever Google Bellerman Knights and passing on, uh, or actually go to YouTube and search it there, there's a video analyzing how they pass the ball. It's phenomenal. Yes. Now, they can't do it quite as much at the Division One level as I've seen them do against Division Two, because their opponents are just bigger and faster. Oh, yeah. But they can still, oh my gosh, they are the, the best passing team you it's, will see. Yeah, it's like a ballet of ball movement. They it really, really is. do. That's, and that's tribute that, to Scotty. That, that, that's I was going to say the same thing. It's tribute to Scotty, who recognizes the talent that he has and uses it appropriately. Yes. That's truly Well, he recruits as well, well for right. his He knows style. what he needs. That's right. You know? He knows who fits him. Exactly. Uh, you know, His name keeps coming up for uh, L's job whenever there's an opening, which have been several in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, but he's never going to leave Bellarmine. No. I mean, the only thing that you could possibly do to entice him away would be all the money that a school like U of L could throw at him. 
because it's more than but one he just, he just enjoys himself so much. He does. He's 66. He doesn't want to mess with all that stuff. But as you mentioned U of L, I also want to say congratulations to Kenny Payne yeah, for yeah. getting named uh, basketball coach at the University of Louisville. That's a big win for the Cards. It's it's a big win and for they, the city and yeah. everything. And, yeah. um, I, I got to see just a tiny bit of his press conference, not the whole thing, but a, a, about half of, of his remarks is very emotional. It's very wonderful. I, I, who knows if he really can win. He doesn't have any head coaching experience, so you don't know right now what his staff's going to look like or, or what defense or offense he's going to play. Can he X and, o, X and O's? Is he, is he going to be able to draw up plays coming out of timeouts? All those things that mark the outstanding coaches. But he cares about the kids. He's going to do right by the university, do things the right way, no more scandals. Uh, he's going to recruit incredible kids. Uh, the last ten years, yeah, his first year maybe not be may not be so great because he, it's too late to recruit. Yeah, well, and there's yeah. still a lot hanging over the. You're in, well. lot, yeah, you're in rebuilding mode. Yes, but it's just but a different season thing. after. Yes, he'll have some of his. That's guys. where you're going to see the impact. Uh, he'll hit the transfer portal. He'll get some guys yes. to come in that want to play for him, <clears> and he has a reputation of developing players to play at the highest levels of the NBA. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, uh, Anthony Davis. These are all people that work with Kenny Payne and are all-star level players in the NBA. He works with uh, with players uh, in that manner. And uh, Again, his remarks were super emotional and really the right tone. And uh, It was a great hire. And congrats. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to UofL. And, uh, that's from a Cat in the Night fan. So Yeah, uh, yeah condolences. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's another down. Us screaming at the television, but anyway, we're yes. Several to paraphrase you, I love it when SEC SEC team loses in the first round. <laughs> yes, uh, Robert's bagging on me because I, I love to watch the Big Ten lose. Uh, and of course, being from Michigan, you know, uh, granted, I don't care about most of the Big Ten except Michigan, Michigan State. Well, you want to see Ohio State? Lose. Well, yeah, obvious, obvious. That goes like Don't forget that. That's part. like the roads. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have Ohio State on his toilet paper, so he can keep on keep on a wiping, right? My toilet paper and my butt are too good for Ohio State. Oh, very good. You want to put the Buckeyes on a roll? No, definitely not. <laughs> this is downhill. All right. Well, that's, that's so. Actually, this is a history episode, yes. not a sports episode. Yeah. So on to the Templars. Yes. Uh, so this one might go over just a bit. Thanks for indulging yeah. us, Otterites. Yes. The Templars. So, you know, it sounded like a good idea at the time. It's kind of one of those things. Hey, what could go wrong? Well, you've got this new kingdom that you've established in the Holy Land. Jerusalem is in the hands of the Christian Europeans. But, you know, the countryside is still pretty dangerous. It is. We need somebody to watch out for these pilgrims because by the time you get dropped off at the coast and make your way to Jerusalem, um, it's just kind of ungoverned. Right. Well, and you have to remember, you know, protecting the pilgrims was a good deal of what went into the the thinking behind the Crusades to begin with. That's it wasn't correct. entirely it, but that you know it was also yes. free the Holy Land. But you know we can't get our people in there. Yeah. They're abused and all these other things. That was that was the that, real reason that it all started. Was because if if the if the Muslim controllers had been much more open to free trade, 
it probably never would have gotten to right. that point. And if they'd been able to control more of the area. That is correct, so because really, they were divided. They, yeah, they, they, they were have divided, the ability, and just governance uh, wasn't their thing. So there's these areas that are just kind of wild and ungoverned. Well, to, to quote James T. Kirk, conquest is easy, control is not. And See, so they... But you were wondering where Star Trek was going to come in. You opened so, that one up for me. And, and the... the Number of pilgrims, of course, ticks up yes. once Jerusalem is established as a as a Christian kingdom. Yeah, and, and a relatively safe once you got there. One, yes, once you got there, and that's where the hole was: is we've got to be able to protect these people, uh, and a lot of these, uh, I want to say thugs, perhaps, but all those who fought in the Crusades. Kind of liked it there. It's one thing really Scott got right in Kingdom of Heaven is, you know, this is a place for opportunity uh, where you can kind of make your own way. Uh, there's lots of, of yeah, land. There's lots of opportunity. Who you were in Europe is <coughs> immaterial. Right. It's if, what can you accomplish if, here. If, yeah. It, it, well, you had to have a little. Second sons, disenfranchised folks, a lot of them were able to make their way right. there because there's only so much that is available in yeah. Europe. There's scarcity there. There's abundance in the Holy Land. So all these guys are saying, well, well now what do we do? I mean, I want to go out and you know swing my sword and do all sorts of nasty business. Oh, I know. We'll make it an order. <laughs> yeah. So in 1119, the... Let's see, I'll get this name the right. The poor fellow soldiers of Christ and of the Temple of Solomon. Yes, they are established in the Holy Land with headquarters on the Temple Mount. So Templars... And that's the idea, the original idea of, of a military-style religious order. Right. Not not that dissimilar from a monastic order. It's just the focus was different. Right. I mean, so it was really addition, set up the same yeah. way. The governance was the same. Uh, you, got, you had to get uh, permission from the Pope to establish an order. You still have to do that today. Uh, and it's not easily given. The Dominicans did it. The Franciscans did it. Uh, the Cistercians, all those r r monastic orders. Right, and let's remember, we talk about order. You know, we, we do not mean an order in the same way because these are not priests and brothers. Uh, they, they, some, some of them, well, are. yes, but I mean, yeah, that's not their. That's right. not their the Dominican is a religious order right. first, and he ha and of which many are priests. Right. But it's either same, way, they're either same. a brother or a priest, whereas these are going to be military. Oh, yeah, and there are some priests. Well, yeah, that's correct. You know, yeah. they, they're, they're soldiers. Yes, they're right. soldiers primarily. And with many priests. would become priests, and, too. And the, the genius of this is, then, that, like you say, you're taking these bullies, basically thugs, and you're giving them now a purpose to reform their lives. Right, and a higher purpose, too. It's not, just a, it's not a base purpose, in right. the sense that, you know, it's not for glory. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's not personal glory. Right. It's the glory of God. That's which is exactly a, you know, right. Higher, yeah, higher which order. is, you know, you know, it's it's meant to be a good purpose. They're, they're, the Templars get a lot of, of bad rap from the time of their, uh, when they are, I want to say, uh, uh, suppressed. Yes. From the time forward. That's mostly mythology and all that stuff. But their, their original purpose was, was profound. And the, and the only thing they were guilty of was being damn good at their job. Yes. Yeah. So they, the idea and they were huge, becomes, too. They, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In a yes. very short time. Yes. The idea becomes, okay, we're going to found this order. We're going to stay in the Holy Land. We're going to militarily protect the pilgrims. 
as they disembark and make their way to Jerusalem. <coughs> and provide but, for them. Yeah. That's where you all of a sudden you have things like the Templars are running hotels, hospitals, uh, accommodations, banking, and that's where they yes. do a lot of that. Some of the, they're, they're really one of the first modern institutions we would consider a bank. Also, multinational corporation. Yes. You know, when you right. consider all the things that they were doing, it's astonishing in 200 years... What they did, and you would think, well, 200 years, that's nothing. 200 years when there's no mass communications, no mass travel. You know, there's no technology that's beyond, you know, horsepower. Right. And these guys are individuals who probably would have been enemies in, in Europe because yes. they are all different nationalities, even though the term nationality is not quite applied at this point here. But you've got Franks, you've got Germans, you've got uh, Angles. Uh, you know, English, yes. Northern They're French. from all over. They're from all over. Western Ita- Europe, Italians, Venetians. Yeah. You've got many came from Constantinople and, and, and the Eastern Empire. Uh, it was, some of it was, it's, yeah. it's kind of an, a tribute to almost a proto-capitalistic way of, of yes. so, You can be something here. Right, so as, as it evolves, of course, at this time, your wealth isn't electronic. Your wealth is movable. Yes, uh, it's Pieces. hard, hard, hard currency. Well, if it's not, if it's not your plan, <coughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So what would happen is, as they grew and established locations back in Europe, right. it becomes multinational because they are established in Europe. They they're assisting and uh, becoming a part of the fabric of these nation states. What you would do is, hey Templars, I trust you. Here's my money that I want to be able to get back once I get to the Holy Land. You hold on to it. Yeah. They would write you a, what would become a check, yeah. and you would take that when you arrived <coughs> right. at the Holy that's Land. That's right. Because you is, could cash it in. Because right, it's worthless to anybody but you. It can't be stolen. It, right. It, it, and this is very similar to the what banking, how it started here uh, in this country, I presume, in, in, in Europe as well. Uh, when, you, when you look at what was going on before we had a, had paper money in the U.S. That's exactly how things worked here. That's right. In, you're in the 1800s, off, you're drawing off species deposited somewhere else. That's what, the rise of banking. We could probably do a whole episode on that if, if we were. We're not sure. We're experts on a lot of stuff. That's not quite our wheelhouse. We might have to have a special guest. We'll have a special guest. You want to start talking uh, economics there? Yeah, uh, but because but that's how it happens. Is yeah. and it's in Italy and it's in Constantinople, Venice in particular. Where all this stuff comes rises right around this time, thanks to the Templars, yeah. and they, you know, since they are all over Europe, they gain a huge amount of influence in a lot of places. Right, and this is one of the reasons why they get in trouble with Philip in France. Yeah, that's right. So, what would eventually happen is not only would you deposit your money before departing for the Holy Land, lots of people began then granting in their wills. Or as gifts to the order, yes. land and land at that time, land was your income. That's right. Yes, it was. What you made from the tenant farmers of that land then became your income, but your wealth. It's still known as real property today. Yes, land is, and that's exactly what and it so was. And so that that grew. So they not only had all this money on deposit from other people, they had their own incomes, and then they began loaning money to the kings 
<laughs> of Europe, which right. which ultimately is what kind of got gets everything messed up because yeah. and you know that's a dicey proposition because usually you're loaning it so they can go to war. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's right. Yes. Uh, yes. In other words, and the idea being, once they win, supposedly there should be enough stuff to strip out of the place you conquered to come home and pay the Templars back. Uh, yeah, assuming you win. Yes. The Templars are supposed to be neutral to all to every all right. this, but ultimately, once you because they got so much money, you know, that's this is where a, it gets dicey. And you know, they're they're powerful. The, the the Knights Templar, you know, obviously when they get to this point, the whole poor fellow Knights thing, they're not poor. No, uh, they become very rich. But some it, of the greatest talent in Europe went to the yeah, Templars. Yeah. That's that's how but they did this. One of the interesting things about this, this is a this is a very uh, uh, focused and early example of what happens to the church, especially in the Renaissance. So you know, during the the Middle Ages. The church t- takes over the middle of Italy, you know, yeah. north and south of Rome. Uh, partially that's because they're the only organization left once Rome falls. And so, you know, it, that's kind of a natural thing for them to step into that. And so when they become a secular power, oddly enough, that's when things, you know, that causes them far more problems. Mm-hmm. And it's when the church has shed its secular power by 1870, when Italy becomes a true nation-state, once again, uh, that the church's influence grew. And, you know, you see the same kind of thing. Once they, once the Knights Templar get all of this secular power, problems start. Right. right. They it lost their way from their founding. Right. Well, yeah. You could say that, even though it was almost inevitable. In order to do what they did, they had to do yes. how they did it. And, and, and again, keep in mind, yes, they were actually very good at what they did. They were good Soldiers. Yes. They were shock troops, mounted uh, horsemen. Uh, now, the order, each order, the number of soldiers was relatively small. Yes. They had, like, uh, basically a giant support staff. Yeah. That's who handled uh, all of this money and banking under the direction of the. It wasn't a. The power. The Grandmaster is the man, which, I mean, that even that terminology now bears a negative connotation just the words yeah but that's where it comes from and that's yeah. that's that's the succeeding generations kind of poo-pooing the Templars and uh, still keeping that prejudice alive even today you hear that word grandmaster uh, unless you're talking about chess it's got a negative connotation but that's he was the leader of them and it's no different than the head of any order uh, right. It, 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 that's what he was. That's what he was because it was so large, though, and covered so much territory. That's why that particular title was necessary because it stepped aside. And Pope was already taken. Well, yeah, Pope, <laughs> but that's correct. <laughs> because ultimately, he reported only to the Pope. The, yes, the order that was, was a very important part of this. Extremely important is yes. that at one point, the Pope gives them this sort of carte blanche to. Cross borders, right, and not pay taxes, and so that really gave them the ability to be anywhere and everywhere without a lot of interference from local government. Right. Which is ultimately one of the one of those critical pieces of information because, in many respects, these are the Pope's guys. Well, and you know, even though it was all Christendom, there wasn't Catholics and Protestants at this point. You have to remember, though, kings were divine right, absolute rule kings. That's right. So, 
if you have this organization, which is a military organization, and also very powerful economically, I mean, you think about it, their influence was as great as any nation state in Europe at yes. the time. And therefore it was a threat. And therefore it was a threat because the local monarch could not control them, which is Philip's problem. That's right. You know, and they and you know they had their secrets, like <coughs> any any order like this. And you know, they're not the only military order that comes up during the Crusades. I'm glad we mentioned that. There's the, the Hospitlers are the ones. Yes, the Hospitlers, the and then there's ones. the... Uh, Teutonic Knights. Teutonic Knights, yes, yes, that was the other one. Which They're, was more geographically oriented towards the north. Yeah, uh, north and east. North more, and east. yeah, Poland, what would become Poland right. and, and they're Baltic states. Teutonic, they're Germanic. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and there was a... And, well, they fought against the Poles and were essentially yes. wiped out. That's a yeah. little bit later. But also, you know, you have to remember that after the first hundred years, basically... And really, not even they, the Chris, the Christians do not hold Jerusalem for even that hundred years. But you know, there are multiple crusades because Jerusalem keeps going back and forth. And after a while, they never take it back. Right. So their professed primary purpose goes not, doesn't go away, but they're less able to yes. execute that as well. Yes. But by this time, of course, they're into other interests. They're right. So, so it kind of goes <laughs> along with that. You know, kind of lost their way a little bit. You know, because. Nat, just it's just the natural progression of things, and I'm glad you mentioned that too because it's very important for you know for it's easier for Philip to do what he eventually does, knowing the fact that the reason the Templars were originally formed no longer exists. It doesn't matter anymore. That, it doesn't matter. They that, have become something very different. Yes, the 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 Arabs Muslims, starting with Saladin, yeah, essentially at the Battle of how do you pronounce it? Hatim. Hatim. The Horns the of Hatim. Yes. The Battle of Hatim. Essentially breaks the Crusader kingdom forever, uh, yeah, and and, and it just the, it ensures the fall of Jerusalem. And you Which, mentioned uh, Kingdom of Heaven, yeah, great great film, not terribly historically accurate. And we we discussed that during the yeah. Crusader episode, but it's not bad though. It's, they it's they, they play off. a role there. And I'll just mention uh, one book I've recently read: Dan Jones, The Templars, The Rise and Spectacular Fall of we, God's we Holy Wars. We love Warriors. Dan Jones. Dan Jones is one of our favorite yeah. authors. Uh, he's written many, many books. War of the Roses he's done. He's a medievalist. Kind of middle, very, that's exactly yes. it. And uh, his is kind of the most recent authoritative work on it. Yes. And it is absolutely accessible to the general reader. Yes, it does read like a novel, <coughs> but it's not it's, a novel. That's correct. And it, it is not Dan Brown. No, no, it's well-researched. He's uh, Dan Jones. <laughs> yes, the first uh, refutation that uh, would be Dan Brown's well is well-researched, for one thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Dan Jones, not Dan Brown, just to make sure we get yes, that all yes. right here. But no, all of his books are so accessible. He's, yes. he's one of the rock star authors in history, accessible history today. Yes. Uh, Colin Inglund does it. Uh, your guy Tom Holland is great yes. at it. Uh, there's many, many guys yes. out there that and do he's that. A, he's he's a, at the top. Yes. A BBC presenter and yes, uh, uh, just involved in a ton of stuff. In, in if, if you get a chance to read any of his works, uh, and oh gosh, would we love to? Would we love to have him as a guest? Yes. <laughs> well, and uh, Bernard Cornwell blurb on the very back. Well, of that's correct. Yeah, you know, he's he's a hero as well. So yes. Bernard Cornwell likes him. You know, you got to read him. So Dan Jones, the Plantagenets. The Templars, Wars War of the Roses. Roses. Uh, uh, there's many others. I don't, yes. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I'd, I'd list his whole corpus. Yeah, he's got a very, uh, sounds like a very narrow time frame he works in, too, yeah. which makes him an expert of the time, which is great. Because you know, one of the things I love about David McCullough is he's another guy that is very accessible. 
Although my son didn't care for 1776. Real, I'm sorry for that. He, he thought McCullough, it was a little boring. McCullough is is he's, I he's, think he's fantastic. Rock star author. Yeah. Like, He's done so many good works yeah. on so many yeah, folks. He's kind of the American equivalent. Exactly. Rock star historian. I still loved his Truman biography. Fantastic. Mm. I read it years ago, and it made him. It made that that man so accessible. Yeah, yeah. And that's a tribute to McCullough. Yeah, yeah. So you know, those guys that concentrate in a particular era, they they tend to be really good because they focus. They know this stuff inside and out. Yeah. They weave it through multiple uh, multiple works. Yeah, they can, right. well, they can see where right. things are connected. Yeah. And, and that that's is, what that's makes so it fascinating. Awesome. And that's why uh, that book is just, it's, it's the yeah. one to go to. Yeah. I love connected history. When, when Very much so. It, when you're not thinking about something in this isolated manner, but you get this bigger sense of things that are going on over here. It's also context. Influence, yeah, it's, it influences things. The, the Crusades and the Templars are not isolated from the politics of Britain or France or, or the papal area. And one of the good things about Dan Jones is he, he's not writing a fiction here. He, there are not fictional characters in this story, right. in this book. It's a narrative, so you can read it and understand it. It's fully Anatolian and all that stuff, but he's not stepping outside of that. And that's one of the, my criticisms of the TV series Nightfall, which is probably, if anybody has uh, only a cursatory uh, understanding of the Templars, it's probably from that show, which was an excellent show. It was fun to watch, uh, it was well produced. But it is far off the beaten path because it goes heavy into fictional characters. And not so much, I mean, although Philip the Fair is, you know, he's one of the main characters in there. Uh, but that's about it. Landry, the main character, he, he's, you know, doesn't exist. So many of these others. Uh, all the business with Philip's wife, nah, not yeah, so much. It's, uh, uh, things were different on yeah. that. Although some of it was right. That's it's kind of the shocking beauty yeah. of it every once in a while. So, yeah, they start out. We're protecting the pilgrims, and then it grows into this because they were so shocked. Yeah, the shock force that's building castles and attempting to hold and expand the Christian holdings in the Holy Land, and they are being granted lands and and properties and and income generation generating things back in Europe, Portugal, Spain. They're becoming involved with those kings back in France, Britain. So they're interweaving now into the politics of the continent. They're very powerful with banking and, again, generating and loaning uh, money out. So then comes the fall. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the rug kind of gets pulled out from under them once the Holy Land is essentially lost again. And right. you got one man to blame for this. Oh, absolutely. One man. Uh, you know, one man with a vision, uh, shall we say. And that's Philip the Fair. Philip the Fourth of France. Yes. And all be, again, it goes back to money. Mm -hmm. He's deeply indebted to the Templars because, you know, he needed the money to go to war against England. And he is dying to get out from under this debt. And, you know, to be fair... By this time, you're talking about uh, 1305 uh, is when uh, the uh, the Pope starts trying to get uh, the the Hospitallers and the Templars uh, to come together, and they're talking about actually a merger. And at this time, the Pope is based in Avignon, yes, so that's he is it. under the thumb of Philip. That's yes, right. That's very important. That's right. This is, a, this is very important. French Pope no longer residing in Rome. Exactly. And, He's still yeah. the Bishop of Rome, but doesn't set foot in Rome. Yes. 
it's so because it's really, dangerous. There's well, true. A lot of re- there's a lot of reasons yes, for this. Yes. Uh, which that's that. Hell, that's another episode. That's, that's entirely yes. ten episodes when you start talking about papal politics in Rome there for a long stretch. But he's essentially under the protection of Philip, and is, I mean, Philip's stooge is probably a strong way to put it, but. It's not too terribly far off. It, no, it's not. Uh, you know, he's I, beholden to him. He's yeah. very much... Yeah, Stooge is probably uh, a little too harsh, but he is definitely uh, in secular matters or where the church can influence secular matters. He's going to do what Philip wants. And they're, and at this time, secular matters and religious matters are very difficult to untwine. Right. Absolutely. Because... because divine so, right, first of all. Absolute rule. So you've got, you've got to have the church's support to rule to begin with. And most of your laws are attempts to essentially enforce religious All aspects of life. Well, All laws are. Well, yeah, because they're integrated. They're fully... See, that's what we as Americans in the 21st century do not understand. Yeah. The basis of your law was yeah. theology. Well, yeah. that's, that's correct. And it's uh, the, the, the merger of church and state as a seamless entity. We don't understand that. Yeah. We don't. Uh, well, it's never been terribly seamless is the problem. Well, and that's, and that's it. And that's a lot of it, too. Because even in the papal states, not exactly all that seamless. Right. And you've got, you got you know, three, four hundred years here uh, throughout Europe, uh, really until Martin Luther. And even then, it, it continues for a while after that until pieces break away. The separation of church and state. It, it, it's it, it's a it's an oxymoron. You, well, it you is. wouldn't consider there it. isn't any. Such and, thing. and in fact, even after the Protestant Revolution, it continues. Rebellion. Yeah. Well, that's what that's, I was working the same thing. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say Reformation. I said Revolution. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I like rebellion. Yeah. But yeah. But it, it, you know, even after that, in England, in particular, it's the easiest example. Church and state are already again identical. It's just a Protestant church. Well, you know, separation of church and state is really not something that comes about and she's, is a real issue until you get to the 18th and 19th centuries. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Voltaire. Voltaire. And many others. That's where yeah. a lot of that comes you up. You know, honestly, Voltaire I'm not going to say thank you, Voltaire, for a lot too many too many times because, you know, I, I recognize his yeah, I contributions, know, I know. but he was an elitist pig. <laughs> yeah. As so many of the, 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 the Enlightenment guys were. Yeah. Great intellectuals. But they were all a bunch of, of elitist pigs. Very much so. Yeah, we. Uh, it's uh, um, it, he was pretty. We we did our. Yeah, we did we did our Voltaire yeah. and, and so Philip, <clears throat> he senses this weakness. He's got the Pope in his pocket. The Templars. And rumors going around yeah. about secret practices and yeah, all these so other the things. Templars, mostly made up. Mostly made up. So Philip seizes his moment. He amplifies these charges of, of heresy and. Depravity. Depravity. And takes his moment to essentially seize all the Templars in France. That's right. Arrest them. And with the Pope's contrivance over several years of investigations and inquisitions, blah, 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 he breaks the Templars. Mm -hmm. And they essentially cease to exist. Well, yeah, he he burns the leaders at the stake. Yeah. Eventually, that's the big moment. It's very public. Uh, They do not recant because they've done nothing wrong. You know, history's pretty clear about well, that. Well, and their promised leniency if they if, if they confess. Recant. Yeah. So once they confess and then recant their confessions because they see then it doesn't matter. They're going to get burned anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it, and, it was a again. Dan Jones work. covers the fall just spectacularly well in this book. So, but the Templars are broken. The ones that are not arrested kind of 
they flee. fade, fade they, off into the sunset and right. flee. And no, they are not protecting the secret that uh, the Holy Grail is really a family line of Christ right. and Mary Magdalene, uh, or whatever it is that was made up for these uh, novels. But, yeah, that's right. Holy blood, holy grail. All that. Yes, that's yeah. Then so, but they, you know, they 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 are now purposeless. The ones that do escape punishment. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they did probably settle in places and try to live a religious life and hide the swords in the barn and you know so, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things about the whole history. You know, all of these lies persist uh, yes. for for many years, decades, centuries, which, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's, when you finally get the order disbanded, they have no way to, to fight this. Yeah, no way to fight back, no way to defend right. themselves. So, but there is a record of the trial. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's misfiled in the secret archives. And, you know, it's not like they use the Dewey Decimal System in the Vatican secret archives. Uh, they just add yeah. shelves and put stuff on it. And so somebody found the record, and the Pope actually absolved the entire order of all heresy before right. disbanding it. Yeah. So basically the Pope said, uh, look, we're going to have to disband you guys, but you're all innocent. Right. And, you know, that's part of the official record. And this was just stumbled upon, you know, not that long ago, uh, yeah. in 2001. Yeah. So, you know, it's, very, it's just interesting how... It's a great example of how the victors write history. Yes, yes, it I, really is. Philip wins the fight. Yes, and and he gets what he wants. Well, I mean, he, he doesn't have to pay him back. He's known gone. as the Iron King uh, in, in French history. He's one of you know. There are many uh, large guys that this is still the Valois line. Valois, or, uh, yeah, yes, uh, line of Valois. Yes, yes. Valois, yeah. yeah. Although ultimately, it, it, he dooms it, uh, or it is doomed after him. His three. Uh, and some say this was the Templar's revenge because his three sons all reign after him, and short in short periods of times, and none of them have any issue, because a lot of the what starts all this is, and this is kind of uh, you know trumped up charges of the three his three daughter in laws of adultery with <laughs> the Templars, and those three sons of his who were married you know cuckolded by these supposedly never have any issue. So there is a crisis of succession that comes just a, you know not that many years later. It, it's uh, a kind of a way to see if he can get the three sons married to somebody else. Well, that, that's so like they try again well, on the kids. That's exactly right. But the, the succession I crisis is always the woman's fault. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, that's what leads to the Hundred Years' War, because you don't have a clear line of succession here. There's a vulnerability here. You're marrying outside at this point. And the line eventually marries into the English, the English uh, uh, royal family. That's, that's a, uh, again, more for other times, Catherine of Bello and blah, blah, blah. That's correct. So that's, uh, <coughs> many would say that was the Templar's revenge. Because ultimately, <laughs> Philip, who was, it, it, he's got three adult sons. You know, the line of succession seems secure. This is a strong king. I mean, you don't mess with this guy. One of the few, you know, really, really authoritative French kings. That's right. Yeah, he really uh, controls. Played, played very, actually, France. very, very well uh, in in Nightfall by the actor Ed Stompard, uh, who because he was a handsome guy. They yeah. called him Philip the Fair, but they also called him the Iron King. And he he dies in a hunting accident uh, a little early. Really, Dick Cheney was hunting that early. <laughs> Damn. 
Dude, man. Beat me to the joke. Oh, I was going to say, dude, it's fantastic. He yeah. slid it in there. I was waiting for Francis to take a breath. And was, oh, he was hunting with Dick Cheney? Okay. <laughs> well done, Robert. Well fantastic, done. Fantastic, boys. Fantastic. But what I, what I want to really, And my work is done. <laughs> what I do want to make sure that we cover in here is that another... There's a six-book fictional account by Maurice Durand. He's French, obviously. Uh, that is kind of the standard of all this stuff. The whole succession crisis that results, all the suppression of the Templars. It starts with, the, the first book is The Iron King. It's a six-book succession written in French, but it is now available in English, translation. I've got it. It's called The Accursed Kings. That's the series. Uh, and you can find them on Amazon. They are an absolute blast. And they give you that context because it's it's within the fictional world, but it doesn't create fictional characters. These are the real people. That so kind of like a Jeff Shara novel. Very much so. That's right. He's going deep into the minds of these individuals. And the first book, I mean, it, the first book ends with Philip's death. Mm -hmm. So it has all that stuff down, and all that results after that, because it's 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 really this history of Europe for the next three four hundred years is started with Philip right here. Because things were not that bad. Actually, they were, well, there was and, a... And France is not a power, really, until him, essentially. It, it, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. They, yes, I mean, you right. don't even really... You know, the, the, the nobility is more powerful in France at this time than it even is in Britain. Well, that's right, because France is also fractured at this point. Because yes. Brittany exists on its own. Normandy exists on its own. Uh, but that's changing by the time Philip comes along. You know, before you had you know you had your Dukes of Brittany, Dukes of, uh, uh, of all the rest of the stuff. Uh, they all supposedly had allegiance to the King of France, but it was kind of loosey goosey. That's kind of like in England. Yeah, that's right. But now that's all changed. It's a solidified France uh, where England doesn't have any continental possessions anymore. Yeah. Other than Calais. Yeah. So uh, which is just basically a Calais. a toehold, a toe uh, yeah. for lack of so a. So that, that's France's emergence. That's French's emergence at a real continental world power. continental power. Yeah. And the fact that the papacy is in Avignon doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, it does that, not. That brings that. Well, you all... know, there's a reason France is called the elder daughter of the church. <coughs> yes, that's no. right. And she hooked her star to to the Catholic Church and early, this, early. Very early, and this is the fruits of that. Yes, recognizing... really, we're talking even before uh, 800 with with the Holy Charlemagne. Roman Empire. That's right. Yeah. You know, we, we forget the Holy Roman Empire. We think of as a German thing. It started as a Frankish. That's thing. right. It's Charlemagne. It is, right. That's really where all this started. And this is kind of a bringing forward of that Char the, the greatness of that line. Uh, it's had a few twists and turns, but ultimately that's kind of where it's reunited back to the crown. That's where this ends up. And yet Philip, for all his intentions, and here's the great irony. Because of what he does to the Templars, at least that's how the story goes, messes it all up. F's it all up. Almost I was going to say, you almost, almost dropped that F-bomb, yes. didn't I? Uh, but uh, no, he, he almost does. And uh, the consequential awfulness that happens, uh, you can really lay at Philip's feet. He really made a big mistake here. Uh, like Henry VIII did. He got greedy, and he saw that... You know, this guy's got a lot of stuff here. Gee, did he have a chancellor named Thomas? Because that's usually where Henry's going. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, 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 he's a fascinating character, though. Fascinating character. Right. And if you uh, and the Templars themselves are filled with fascinating characters, but nobody. If you want to know what happened and you want to understand them, 
Read up on yeah. Philip. He's, yeah. he's worth well, it. That, you know, that certainly takes care of the end of it. You know, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux and Hugh de Pains, mm-hmm. one of the founders of the Order, are fascinating characters That's in and of themselves. Saint Bernard. Right. Yeah, Saint yeah. Bernard of yeah, Clairvaux. Yeah, Bernard of Clairvaux was... Uh, he wasn't in the order, but he supported it very strongly. Right, he, yeah, he basically helped He's, found it. He was one of these guys who, at the time, was probably one of the most literate people in Europe. Oh, yeah. And he was a rock star on the continent. Yeah. Everybody knew him. That, he was a, seen as a holy man. He's written a lot of stuff. Everybody's, prolific writer. Prolific writer. Everybody turns to him, and this crosses national borders. Very persuasive. He's respective. That's right. Yeah. Because uh, he's able to... Uh, to bring peace in certain areas, and I won't, we won't, we, he's probably somebody that we could do a whole thing on because he's yes. a really very fascinating character. Uh, the, you know, he's he's at the top. I mean, even the Pope defers to him in many ways because he's so well respected. Yeah, and, and that's how they get started, basically on on Bernard of Clairvaux's okay, his endorsement. The Pope, yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll and, make him because if Bernie says it's okay, it's got to be good. Okay. Well, you know, it doesn't help that these guys are French. That's right. And the Pope is French. Uh-huh. And, you know, the Franks are the ones who are the, the primary force behind the crusade that uh, that captures Jerusalem. So, That's you right. know, it's very... So, again, the French are very much a big, big deal, even though they it's not all of... Yeah, and they, they, they are the drivers of the crusade. And consequently, they build a lot of resentment then that carries through to, to much later. A lot, a lot of the... The wars of uh, of conquest uh, during the Middle Ages on the continent and around, uh, you know, they they Shakespeare has a line in Henry V, uh, something about the world's best garden uh, that they, that her neighbors look enviously at. It's calling France that. Yeah. Yes, and that's, well, you know, it's that's was still true. Yes, uh, you know, through the twentieth century, you know, I mean, look how many times in, in the nineteenth century and the twentieth century, look how many times Germany went to war with France. Right, you know. Uh, granted, Germany goes to war with a lot of people in the 20th century, but you know, it, France is a very desirable place to have. Yeah, it uh, is throughout history. It's supposedly one of the most beautiful countries yeah. in the world. After the Templars are disbanded, uh, a new order is created, not quite as a replacement, but you know, it, it, it seems to have been offered as, all right, well, you know, those guys are gone, but you know, here's a new order. We want you guys to do, you know, so presumably this one's going to be more under the control of those who. Got rid of the the Templars, kinder and gentler. Yeah, kinder and gentler, which is called the Order of Christ, and you know it doesn't really go anywhere because it just not like the Templars, and because they amassed such yeah. great wealth and, and influence. Yeah, and all, of course all that, like Henry when he took over all the the monasteries and what have you in England, all that wealth goes away. So you know sure. that that inf- that order just it does not have the legs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it this was a drive? To give these military men a purpose to keep them from going through the countryside and chopping everybody's head off. Yeah. Uh, you know how can how can we focus all of these armed people that we have to keep around in case there's a war on something other than plundering the countryside, and and that's how these orders start to spring up. Yes, and and they're in many respects they're domesticated. The orders yeah. are, yes. which is actually a fascinating prospect to take ultimately bloodthirsty savages, you could say. Uh, and, bullies and thugs. Bullies and thugs is, a probably a better, is definitely a better word. Uh, and bring them to, to heal under the command of a civilizing force. 
both secular Which is and, what the church can be at the its church. best. Absolutely. And it, it very much was. And it uses, we will give you guys a holy purpose. And it worked. It, it worked. Really, it really, it really did, did work. work. They, they, and they were, they, their only sin, as I said earlier, was that they were too damn good at what they did. Yeah. So let's let's wrap this one up, guys. We won't take a bourbon break since we. Oh my gosh, it. we didn't do a bourbon break. We just we, we sort right of did it at the beginning. Well, yeah, we we it was, we, we it was a bourbon break. It was a, a a night break and a salute to PJ break. Well, yes. well, you know, I'm sorry, but if we're going to talk about the Knights Templar and we're also going to talk about the Bellarmine Knights, I see this as perfect synergies, guys. There you go. Oh, there, there you go. go. There you go. Very, up. very well on. done. Very very well done. So. Francis, buddy, what is next time? Code of Honor. We're going. Who knows where we're going to go? We never know where we're going to go on this. Uh, it's not a themed one. It's going to be whatever we decide to pull out of whatever we want to pull it out of. Yes. And but whichever it, orifice you want to pull. I it wasn't from. going to use the O word, but you're welcome to do well, so. Your mouth is an orifice. Okay. Yes, I know. I know. Both ears. Both ears. I'm not going there, boys. I'm not going there. All I can tell you is next episode. It's going to be great. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.